1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a AM member FDIC. Hey
2: guys, this is Glacian Dragon here. And today Ria are going to be talking about
3: GoGuardian.
2: That, as you just heard, is a YouTuber who goes by the name of Glacian Dragon. So what is Go Guardian, you may ask? Well, if you guys don't know what GoGuardian is,
0: you're in luck.
2: GoGuardian is a software company that makes, essentially, spyware. Software that helps teachers and schools block and monitor on a really granular level what kids are doing online. And seemingly in response, kids have made this whole YouTube genre, ranting about the software. My school uses GoGuardian and it's pretty bad. They can see what you're doing on your screen. There's a tab where you can see the timeline and another tab where you can see every, every student in your class's screen. And I just think that this feature just gives the teachers too much power. Or trying to find ways to get around it. Okay guys, so today we will be teaching you about how to disable GoGuardian. I played these videos for Priya Anand. Priya's a tech reporter for Bloomberg, and she wrote a big story about GoGuardian. And she was not surprised.:
3: I have read a lot of student newspaper articles with kids saying, like, "Hey, with Go Guardian, we feel like we have no space to ourselves. Our whole lives are online right now." And I have seen, actually, I went to a school in Pekin, Illinois to see how Go Guardian worked, and one of the most commonly searched for YouTube videos was "How to Get Around Go Guardian."
2: Because even though this technology might make sense to teachers, for remote learning, for students... Having everything you do be watched and tracked and logged, it's a lot.
3: If so much of life is online right now, then what does this mean for kids' abilities to have, you know, like to be able to talk to your friends during the pandemic? If all of your interaction is through the computer now and all that's being monitored, like, do you have a space where you can talk to your friends and have intimate conversations, especially while the world is turned upside down?
2: Today on the show, the pandemic supercharged the kinds of technology being used in schools, often without any debate. Now it looks like it's here to stay. But is that what's best for students? I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TVD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick with us. At their simplest, GoGuardian and a handful of companies like it give teachers and administrators transparency. When a student is using a school-issued Chromebook that has GoGuardian on it, the teacher can see what they're searching for or even typing into a Google Doc. Priya saw it in action at Pekin Community High School in Illinois, where they've been using GoGuardian for three years.
3: Well, for teachers, what's interesting is they can, at the start of class, start what's called a session and they can kind of set the rules for what everyone who's in their class is allowed to do on the computer in a class. And then at the end of class, they also get a report on what everyone was actually doing online while they were in class. So if you tell everyone to pull up a certain worksheet and there's a kid or two kids in a corner who seem like they're really doing their work but later on you get a report and they were, you know, playing a game or like completing an assignment for a different class. Teachers say that that really helps them see like did I miss something while I was actually teaching? That way they don't have to go around and actually, you know, peek behind every single screen.
2: I think one thing that that I was struck by in reading your reporting on GoGuardian is that this is much more sophisticated than just like blocking some websites you can't go to.
3: Yes, it's definitely steps further than just saying like, okay, YouTube is not allowed or okay, this other website is not allowed in class. It can track, for example, if a student is typing something into a Google Doc, it can flag for an administrator that a student typed whatever it might be into their Google Doc and then quickly deleted it, for example.
2: This company has been around since 2014, but... The pandemic seems to have really supercharged use by schools and school districts. How does the pandemic kind of fit into this story?
3: Schools are already giving kids laptops, right? And and the Obama administration had kind of made a push for kids, for schools to get into the digital era. So some schools already were giving kids laptops and tablets. But during the pandemic, I mean, so many schools that were holdouts or maybe didn't give every single kid a laptop were then thrusting devices into their kids' hands and saying, "Like, just keep them and do your do your stuff, all through your computer."
2: And what was the pitch? What was the pitch that GoGuardian made to schools and to districts about why this software, you know, should should be something they did, that they should invest in?
3: administrators told us that, you know, for them, it was like sending a teacher basically home with a kid because with GoGuardian, since teachers can see what's going on on a kid's screen, so can administrators, they felt like it was kind of akin to having a teacher, you know, walk behind a student and see like, okay, this person's not completing their worksheet right now. Like, what are they thinking about? They can then see like, you know, Johnny is just playing video games all day on a school computer. These three assignments for these classes have not been done. What's going on? Now we know that this kid is, is maybe having a hard time because of the pandemic. That was the argument.
2: I can definitely see how that would, would fit into kind of a school's virtual learning approach. But now a, a lot of schools have gone back to in-person learning. How are they using the tools now?
3: What I found really interesting when I visited that school in Pekin, Illinois, was teachers told me that they find GoGuardian more useful when they're in the classroom because they, for example, um, they had A days and B days where every kid came in every other day last year. When kids were at home, they didn't tell them, like, sit at your computer eight hours straight. You have math class at 8 a.m., English at 9 a.m., whatever they gave kids assignments. They had to log in for attendance by a certain time, but the assignments were very much like complete them as you wish. And and they also knew that some of their students had taken on jobs to be able to support their help support their families. So because kids weren't necessarily in math class at eight a.m. right, math teachers didn't want to block things like YouTube, for example, because a kid in a language class might need to watch a Spanish video to do that assignment. But in the classroom. Teachers feel like it's it's a great tool for them to be able to say, like, nobody's gonna open Netflix during my class, nobody's gonna open Minecraft during my class, or whatever it might be.
2: What type of, of reach does this company have? Like how how many kids, how many schools, what what kind of numbers are we talking about?
3: Go Guardian told us that their potential reach is more than twenty-three million students, which is a pretty sizable portion wow. of yeah, the K to twelve population in the US. In Delaware and West Virginia, for example, the State Departments of Education signed contracts
2: to offer GoGuardian to all their schools. When Priya talked to parents in Pekin, a lot of them were more than fine with this kind of technology being used on their kids. They compared it with the parental controls that they have at home.
3: By and large, it seems like across the country, there's not like a huge groundswell of parents saying like, stop this now, we don't like this, don't track our kids online. But there are parents in some pockets of the country, like Montclair, New Jersey, for example, where parents did protest GoGuardian's implementation. Um, The school district sent out a little note earlier this year saying like, hey, we're testing this out. And parents there felt like, you know, where does the tracking end? Because GoGuardian does have a feature you can turn on that'll track kids on personal devices or like family computers at home if they're logged into their school account. One of the parents I spoke with was concerned that, do kids, you know, not have the right anymore to have any space to themselves? And he said, you know, when you were a teenager, or I was a teenager, um, kids wanted to, you just wanted to shut the door sometimes and have some time to yourself.
2: The response from GoGuardian is that they serve a more important purpose than just keeping students on task. The company says its algorithms can detect troubling searches, like content about suicide. And that the software can then alert administrators about kids whose online behavior might mean they're experiencing a mental health crisis. GoGuardian,
3: you know, hangs its hat on this and really pitches itself as a tool that can help schools understand kids' mental health, possibly slipping to the point of self-harm or harm to others, right? Being able to track if they search for something that might indicate that they need help. The principal told me that he has, you know, called families while they're eating dinner with their kid, and they haven't yet realized that something's going wrong, but they've gotten an indication through Go Guardian that the kid was searching for something that might make it seem like the kid was at risk in some way. And this is what GoGuardian, you know, this is part of their big pitch to schools that they can help catch kids who might be falling through the cracks um, and catch kids who might be thinking about self-harm.
2: Is there any evidence... That that's true. That that these sort of digital red flags have helped schools step in and and helped kids who are in crisis.
3: You'd be hard pressed to find you know empirical hard evidence by a third party researcher. But Pekin Community High School, for example, shared anecdotes about how they feel. You know, even if they catch one kid who might be slipping, um, they feel it's worth it.
2: The algorithms that. Guardian uses are, are proprietary. And I'm thinking about this in the context of mental health. That seems complicated and I guess maybe problematic. If you are using a proprietary software tool in a public school to, you know, trigger alerts about some child to parents, administrators, and teachers, it seems tough if the algorithm itself is a black box.
3: Critics do say that these companies, their algorithms operate in a black box. And if they're heavily influencing how public schools are handling decisions about children in those schools, there should be more oversight. It's an open question. Like, we we don't know, right, how these algorithms actually make these decisions. And, you know, Senator Elizabeth Warren, along with two other senators, sent a letter to GoGuardian and a couple of its competitors asking for more of an explanation on how the algorithms work and have the companies considered whether their algorithms account for potential bias um have they considered whether their algorithms could help compound racial disparities in school discipline
2: yeah i mean i i looked at that letter from from senator warren and others and it made me wonder a couple of different things including like you know, let's say you're an LGBTQ kid and you're looking for help online or you're Googling some stuff to, to kind of work through your sexuality, but you haven't discussed that with your parents or anyone at school, and that gets flagged by the school. That seems like you could put children in a very difficult and uncomfortable position. Yeah, I've talked
3: to privacy experts who've said, like, what if a kid's Googling something about their identity that they're not ready to share yet? And administrators and teachers see that. It could either influence their perception of the kid or their behavior toward the kid or put the kid in the position of, of having to, you know, explain themselves in a way that they might not be ready for.
2: When we come back, investors are pouring money into companies like GoGuardian. But Silicon Valley has a pretty bad track record when it comes to disrupting education. GoGuardian is now valued at $1 billion, but it's certainly not the first educational technology company to attract investors. Silicon Valley has a pretty long and undistinguished list of school-related ventures. A lot of them started with fanfare and then fizzled.
3: Mark Zuckerberg famously or infamously at this point put $100 million toward the Newark school system. You know, there were allegations of corruption and the results were unclear and there's lots of debate over whether or not that really was an effective approach. Um, Alt School, which is a company that was founded by a couple of ex-Googlers, they raised a bunch of money from bigwigs in Silicon Valley and they opened up these fancy schools with 3D printers and and robots and things like that. And then a little while later, they got out of the business of operating schools, started shutting them down, didn't really seem to pan out. in in this kind of revolutionary way. But the difference between all these other things that Silicon Valley has tried in education, all these splashy initiatives, is GoGuardian and companies like it seem to have gotten a lot further in terms of very broad use across the US. I mean, they really have expanded in a way that feels different from some of these other approaches to education that folks in Silicon Valley have taken.
2: You have this line in your story that really stuck with me after I read it, and it's, but no one actually knows how well or even if these technologies work. I'm just thinking, like, what does it mean for this stuff to work? What's the yardstick?
3: More than 80% of teachers say that their school uses some kind of monitoring to track what kids are doing online. Among students... That research found that at least 26% are not comfortable with it. But the interesting thing is more than 80% said they they reported being more careful about what I search online when I know what I do online is being monitored. And six in 10 students said that they agree with the statement, I do not share my true thoughts or ideas because I know what I do online is being monitored. Which, if they know they're being monitored, but six out of 10 say they're not sharing how they actually feel... Then, if the true point is to catch what they're actually feeling are we are you getting there? are you act is it actually
2: hmm. working? God, that's such a conundrum and like fascinating thing that you know, kids are smart. they're not the sort of, I don't know, naive, empty vessels that I think sometimes adults mistake them for
3: the other the other question is. Okay, well, schools can decide whether or not they want to turn on the feature that extends monitoring to personal computers. Like, you know, if a kid's using their mom or dad's laptop at home while logged into their school account, we'll go Guardian track them. Schools decide whether to turn that on. But then the question is, are there schools that don't turn on the extended monitoring? So are there kids out there who are just using their personal computers instead of their school computers and therefore aren't being monitored because their families are well off enough to get around the fact that their school device is being tracked right and kids who can't afford another device or whose families can't afford another device for them to do their school work on are using the school laptop and just being you know thus being tracked in a way that the richer kids aren't do rich kids get
2: more privacy you know when the pandemic began a big question that that we asked lots of people asked was sort of what happens to, to learning if we close the schools. Um, we know some answers to that now. But I wonder about the technological legacies of this pandemic and the technological legacies of how quickly decisions were made. Could you ever see schools going back to a world where this kind of software isn't used?
3: It's hard to see, you know, a world in which schools would abandon this kind of technology. And by all indications, we've gotten schools seem to find this useful, even in non-remote times when kids are in school, in real life, you know, butts in chairs in the classroom to make sure they're on track. So it's hard to imagine a world where the school surveillance state is put back in a box.
2: Priya Anand, thank you so much. Thank you. Priya Anand is a technology reporter for Bloomberg. And that is it for the show today. TBD is produced by Ethan Brooks. We're edited by Troy Bosch and Allison Benedict. And Alicia Montgomery is the executive producer for Slate Podcasts. TBD is part of the larger What Next family, and it's also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. And I want to recommend that you take a moment to listen to Thursday's episode of What Next? Mary Harris and Jim Newell talk about whether the Democrats should be freaking out right now. What Next? We'll be back next week. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. Thanks for listening.